We've got another episode free of any coronavirus talk for you today, all recorded before any of this came down. So uh, enjoy the lack of coronavirus. Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. If You Market is brought to you by Mountaintop Data, and uh, I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Today, we'll be talking with Daniel Lemon of Eat ID about word of mouth marketing. Daniel is a tech startup co-founder, operations and marketing leader with nearly 20 years of experience working for major global organizations, including Nestle USA, Procter & Gamble, the United Nations, Google, General Motors, and uh, Hilton Hotels. He's also a best-selling author and speaker. Daniel, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us today to talk about uh, word of mouth marketing. You bet. Thanks for uh, making time. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So before we get into word of mouth marketing, um, eat ID. That is a very strange name. You've got, <laughs> you've got a past with Nestle, with um, uh, companies like that, Procter & Gamble. We typically have B2B marketers on the show here. Can you explain for the listeners what Eat ID is, is all about, what you guys do over there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, it's a strange road I've traveled on my career. Um, uh, currently, so as you referenced, I'm co-founder of a uh, uh, smart food and health personalization platform. It's called Eat ID, and basically, what we do is help people with a variety of different eating wishes, uh, um, including health conditions, find foods like grocery items and recipes, uh, and even restaurants that they can go eat. Um, interestingly, we are uh, exclusively a B two B platform, so we have a couple of different ways we uh, work with with customers. But um, we're not a B two C company, despite being all about food, we actually power the food experience with, uh, for other companies. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny to, to think about sometimes, uh, this is a fairly recent venture. It's been the hardest one to market, uh, because sometimes working on your own stuff is harder than working on, on other people's problems and other people's challenges. And I guess you're starting it from scratch. They already had a platform laid out. A lot of these stuff worked out. Um, my initial thought here was, Oh no, this is a B2B show. How did this sneak in? Um, but you guys are B2B and I assume you, there's a lot of, uh, explaining and you, you have to somehow get your message across without being confusing. And uh, starting from scratch, that can be a tough thing to do sometimes. It is, yeah. We have to build a, uh, a case uh, with every conversation for why this type of uh, uh, product is even needed, kind of build the case for the problem uh, before we talk about the way we solve it. So every, and uh, we serve a number of different markets, so everyone's a little bit, a slightly different business case too, which makes it uh, never easy, but always interesting. And I guess I will accidentally uh, transition here into the word of mouth marketing part. It seems uh, if you want to spread through word of mouth, your message needs to be really simple and easy to understand. It, it can't be confusing. Well, that's just it. And, and in B2B, we, we often think about how difficult that is. We think, well, gosh, our challenges and our problems are so big and so difficult to solve. And the, and the business case takes a lot of explanation. So we, it's not possible to distill down into a, you know, a, a tagline or a, a, a phrase or a, an, a, an element that we can talk about. Um, all of my work really prior to EDID was around word of mouth marketing, consulting with companies on that topic. So, uh, you know, now I'm having to go back and eat my own 
my own uh, soup, so to speak, which is a very fun thing for me to, to do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we often think in B2B that it's not possible to do word of mouth effectively. And I think it's actually quite the opposite is, is what I've learned. Yeah. I mean, all people are, we're all people and we all communicate whether you're in B2B or B2C marketing, you're still doing person to person. And I guess your company would be kind of a B2B to C um, in that it is a, a consumer product that's being marketed, but your clients are the businesses themselves. You're not selling, you don't collect money from the consumer. That's right. Yeah. And in, in one case, we're B2B to B2 E, which is employee uh, as well. Ah, employees within, within companies. Yeah. I get yeah. it. And it seems your past, um, your expertise in word of mouth marketing, and now you're in an area where that is a particularly challenging way to market your company, meaning, uh, I guess I, I don't envy you in that what you are, <laughs> what you are possibly best at is, is not as effective as you're used to, or as easy as you're used to. You've got an extra challenge here. I do. Uh, and you know, it, but I bring, you know, that, that, that mentality to all of the choices we've been making uh, on the marketing side, trying to, to cut through and, and simplify and make it easier to understand what we do, but also to talk about what, what we do. So, um, you know, it's easy to make excuses for ourselves, like, gosh, it's going to be too difficult. Um, but there always has to be kind of a, a path forward. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's how Right, right. It's difficult. Uh, it's still, it's still your company, and you need to move forward. Uh, you can't just go home and watch a movie. Um, so, what's what's your role there? What what is what is your day to day at uh, at EID? I so I primarily focus. Uh, I'm kind of the 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 COO of the company. I focus on sales, marketing, um, some of the operational elements, uh, and. Um, which is that, but that encompasses a lot of things, right? It's sales and marketing is, is a big part of what we do. Uh, less so on the product itself, more so on the, on the, uh, the business relationships that help us expand. Um, so it's been nice to step into that larger role. I've been very focused all through my career from the very beginning at Google uh, until uh, the last few years on uh, more narrowly on marketing, word of mouth marketing, reputation. And it's been nice to step back and expand my scope a little bit and think more broadly about the operations, sales operations and, and implementation, because you find, you begin to find areas of commonality. We begin thinking of word of mouth ideas. Uh, for example, how does that fit in the sales, the sales plan? How does that come to life operationally for us? So you're looking to make word of mouth almost part of your branding, like everybody in the company needs to be putting out these, this messaging that can be easily spread kind of a thing. Yeah, that, and in looking for ideas we can use to, um, to develop. So, you know, I wrote an entire book on, on this topic with uh, my good friend, Jay Bear called Talk Triggers, which is the guide to creating word of mouth moments. And so, you know, we actually had quite a few B2B case studies in there that I use as, as inspiration every day in, in my own work. Excellent. We'll put a link to that in the, uh, to that book talk triggers in the show notes uh, for the listeners as well. If, uh, if they want to check that out. Um, so that's on word of mouth marketing. It dawns on me a little bit of a tangent here, but when you've been very focused in your career, you've been at large companies, so you have a niche kind of your focus on. And then when you start your own company, you end up in operations, which is probably not, a role you were ever in before. 
and, and it occurs to me, having been in startups and, and small companies, that whenever you have more than four departments in your title, suddenly you're like, oh, I get it. I'm operations. Uh, like if I'm not focused just on sales or just on HR, or just on finance or whatever it is, it's, you have so many hats on. I think all these people that have all these titles need to just, just squish those all down to operations. That's what you become. It just means you're getting anything and everything done that needs to get done. Kind yep. of. Yeah, in a way that often goes in in startups, there's uh, if you have a couple of people working on a project, someone's doing the product, someone's doing uh, software development, and then someone else is doing everything else. That's the operations person. <laughs> yeah, the everything else role, which includes sometimes marketing, sometimes sales, sometimes uh, you know whatever needs to be done that you don't have somebody for. Basically, it's this, that, and the other. Yep. Blanket uh, blanket job operations. Um. Anyway, getting back to word of mouth marketing, let's let's just dive straight into that. Um, can you kind of give us a general, I mean, you've written a book on it. So a general idea of what's meant by word of mouth marketing and not meant so we don't get off in the wrong direction just because it's got the words word of mouth and marketing in there. Yeah. Yeah. So when we think, uh, when, when Jay and I first started kind of stitching together the idea for talk triggers, um, the thesis of it was that uh, when we think of word of mouth, it's all of the things said about you by your customer or your stakeholders that could be also your employees, uh, exclusive of your own marketing. So it, it, it's in their words, in their context, and in different platforms. Uh, and interestingly, when we think about word of mouth, we assume it's all kind of Twitter and, and LinkedIn and Facebook, which is true to an extent, but um, uh, really about half of it happens offline. So word of mouth is, in fact, the oldest form of marketing. It's probably existed since cavemen told before, other cavemen. Yeah. Before about, the invention of writing and everything, word of mouth, you would grunt about something and they would grunt. And uh... <laughs> Yeah, if you, if you think about a lot of the food items we eat now, you know, some of them, like we don't eat poisonous foods and that's because of word of mouth. If you eat that, <laughs> it will kill you. Someone had to learn that and pass that story down. Right. Or you just watch somebody grab their throat and fall over. That's, that's a little word of mouthy too. Yeah. So that, the idea was we wanted, to, we wanted to look at companies that were doing or having success with that because we thought there must be something they're doing that, that is igniting that to happen. And, um, and we, we learned along the way kind of where it often fits is um, it's not a marketing tactic, actually, word of mouth, even though we call it word of mouth marketing, it's really operations. Uh, the companies that seem to be having a lot of success with word of mouth, they're, they're doing so with some operational element of their business that is remarkable enough people are like, oh, that's really interesting. I didn't expect them to do that. Uh, and it gives them a story to tell. And you know, the truth is we're always in any context, B2B, B2C, as an employee, we're always looking for stories, right? That, that's how we share things with other people. So I mean, you say, wait a second, you say it's not marketing. Is it, is it, I mean, it's obviously used by marketing. Is it not marketing because it's so foundational? It's like pre-marketing almost. It's like your product. You can say the product's not marketing, but that's what marketing is marketing. Yeah. It's, it's not generally a marketing tactic or a campaign in, in that. Unless you're saying go viral and then still it's not exactly a. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and the, the thing about it is that was very interesting. We, we did a, a couple of research studies looking at, uh, we looked at 
the Cheesecake Factory and Doubletree Hotels. Uh, obviously, those are B2C brands, but we wanted to understand what percentage of people share their sort of talk trigger. And in both cases, it was about a third. So, so not, not everybody knows Cheesecake Factory is a local... Um, I don't know how far they go, but I know they're here in LA is where, mm -hmm. where I first uh, experienced them. And I think what they're known for, even though the word cheesecake is in the, uh, is in the name, is having an obscenely large menu. Um, and it dawns on me, wait, did they do that on purpose just so they, people would have something to talk about? And <laughs> the answer is yes, they did. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> All right. All right. Yep. And they, you know, they're also known for obscenely large restaurants, obscenely large wait times, obscenely large portions. So obscenely large is definitely their bigger theme there, but the menu is the one of their key talk triggers, which is so fascinating because you would assume the cheesecake would be the one that people talk about. Right. Right. So wait a second. Does that make word of mouth marketing... I mean, you're saying it's operational. It's almost part of the product because they're building it into their menu. How do you get, how do we get people to talk about us? It's not by having amazing cheesecake. It's by having a huge menu, like something to separate out. Is that kind of a PR stunt almost? Is some word of mouth marketing getting into that area? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, what's interesting about, um, about, about sort of the, the Cheesecake Factory situation, but it applies in all business, is with a name like the Cheesecake Factory, you would expect the cheesecake better be pretty damn good, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't know. It's called the Cheesecake Factory, not the Cheesecake Artisan. So that's uh, <laughs> true. So it may not be amazing, but it better be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And But that itself is not that unexpected like i kind of expected pretty good cheesecake at a place called this um right. although if you've ever been to the like the old spaghetti factory they don't have terribly good spaghetti burger so king burn... taco bell i don't know never yeah. go somewhere that has the product name in the, in the name <laughs> well those could, they can kind of become anti uh talk triggers or anti word of mouth mm -hmm. uh but what, what yeah it is a little bit of a stunt if you think about it that way but they've been doing it for 20, 30 years, the Cheesecake Factory. So it's continued to, to work for them. Uh, and it does, it, people still talk about that menu today. I had no idea that was going to be the thing. I had no idea you're going to bring this up. That's just the mm -hmm. one thing when I think Cheesecake Factory, besides their awesome, super big salad that, uh, that I think of. Yeah. yeah. That, isn't that so interesting? So here we are talking about it. And, and so it has nothing to do with the product. Is it frequently that? Because some people think word of mouth marketing. Oh yeah, it's make your product so good that people talk about it. You say, not necessarily. Maybe a lot of these companies, it's find some strange little niche thing. You may be Costco, but offer a super duper cheap rotisserie chicken, no better than anybody else's rotisserie. But if you can get people to think about that, that's, you know, yep. just to mention your brand and spread it one, as long as it's not negative. That's exactly it. I would argue that that chicken is probably one of Costco's talk triggers. If we were to look mm -hmm. at it, I have to reckon it would rank pretty highly for people, even though it's kind of mediocre. It's not the best yeah. chicken in the world, but it's $5 at the same time. And you go anywhere else, you can go to any other, uh, any other grocery store, you can probably get the same exact chicken or extremely similar. And it's probably almost the same price. And yet, yeah. They've just become known for that. It yeah. must be a marketing write-off. They probably don't make any profit on it. There's like, it's sorry, that is not a sales product. It's a marketing product. Yeah, it's also freakishly large. The Costco chicken. I don't know if you've noticed that. It, I don't know what those chickens are eating, but they are. <laughs> big they're not chickens. even chickens. They're turkeys. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere on the road to being a turkey. <laughs> okay, so 
so it's kind of PR. It's got to be easy to understand, shareable. I guess that that kind of helps when you say it doesn't have to be your product. It doesn't, it doesn't have to explain your product. It doesn't have to be a catchphrase about who you are as a company. It can be a chicken. It can be a menu. It's just something that your name then gets attached to. That's just it. Yep. That's not, again, not negative. Them, well, I mean, certainly it can become negative if it's the the wrong type of idea. But um, yeah, it, it, when you think of that company, it's like, are, is, aren't those the people that do that one thing? Mm-hmm. Um, another example we, we wrote about in the book is Doubletree Hotels. Um, they're famous for or known for, perhaps you've stayed in one, you might know this. Uh, Doubletree, I don't know on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the warm chocolate chip cookie. When you check in, they give you a warm chocolate chip cookie. I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever years. stayed at a Double Tree, so yeah. <laughs> that's why I wouldn't. I wouldn't know that one. Yeah, I mean, the Double Double Tree Hotel is not the world's best hotel. <laughs> you know, maybe not always best value, best location, but they do uh, consistently give you a cookie. Pretty, it's a really good cookie too. I will say. Right. So something. Mem- I mean, they could put just like. Uh, you know, a Keebler uh, pack on the, on the counter and you might as well put some mints out or something like that. It's not memorable. So it's got to be memorable. It, it needs to be remarkable. And if you can't, if people can't remember it, it, it's not a story that they can tell. Um, another, we keep talking about hotel examples, but one that we, I became familiar with after we wrote the book, uh, it's in LA is at the Magic Castle. If you uh-huh. know if you've been in the Magic Castle. I've been in the Magic Castle, yeah. So there is also a hotel uh, next to or around the corner from the Magic Castle called the Magic Castle Hotel, which is a, it's actually a converted apartment building that they turned into a, a hotel. Uh, and and uh, they have something there they call the Popsicle Hotline. So if you're sitting around their teeny tiny pool and you get thirsty or hungry, you can go over and pick up this phone, the popsicle hotline, and they will deliver it to you on a platter. A popsicle. A popsicle. Huh. And you think about that for, you know, the, the, they, they could have a popsicle stand with, or a free a cooler with popsicles in it, but they, hmm. they went to the extra level of having a phone, a special phone. <laughs> you pick up, call the popsicle person, and they bring it to you on a platter. Right. It, so it, it makes it into a more of an experience than just like, well, that's nice. A popsicle I guess so is always good. It's an ex- if they just had them there and you walk in and they hand you one, I mean, the cookie thing works. It'll be, but having people take that action almost makes them, you're sitting around at the pool anyway. Here's something to do. Here's a phone. Exactly. Here's a red phone you can pick up. I don't know if it's red. And, um, I believe it is. Yeah. And somebody delivers a popsicle and you'd want to try it just for the experience of, okay, let me do this thing. This is strange. I heard if I pick this up and somebody will answer and say, yeah, I'm bringing you a popsicle now. Do they even have to ask anything or is it just like right on the way? Sir? Yeah. I, I think maybe they ask you like what flavor or yeah. So that is interesting. I, I hadn't heard of that one. So it seems like it needs to be simple, shareable, memorable, but doesn't really have to have anything to do with your company as long as your name sticks to it. Yeah. Sometimes it does. I mean, often a, a talk trigger will have some connection to the, the, ethos of the company um uh a b2b example that we talk about a lot is uh the company uberflip mm-hmm. uh, uberflip make content marketing software yeah uh, really cool guys. people based in toronto and uh their their talk trigger is it's actually it manifests in several different places it's 
the hot pink color, um, which is a carmine. It's actually red, carmine red. Uh, but they, uh, for them, it's more about attitude. So that comes to life. Uh, if you see them at trade shows, they they often have headbands, like sweat headbands in hot uh-huh. pink with the Uber Flip logo. They they use it in a bunch of different places, including inside of the product itself. So you begin to see that hot pink carmine red everywhere. Same with MailChimp. They, they got rid of him, but they had the 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 monkey, Freddie, MailChimp. Uh-huh. So Freddie was actually part of the product as well as kind of the mascot for the company for MailChimp. Uh, I was really sad when they started to get kind of phase him out because I, I feel like it's one of the strongest, um, most apparent talk triggers in B2B. I, I love talking about for, Hmm. Uh, I mean, it kind of sticks. It's part of their name as well. How are you going to not have that as a mascot now? Yeah, (laughs) he has a name. His name is Freddie, which is crazy. Interesting. So it occurs to me that this word of mouth marketing is kind of what, when you see a really good commercial Super Bowls coming up, this is going to air well after. But uh, for for the listeners, um, the Super Bowl is about to come up as we're recording this. And watching Super Bowl commercials, one of the fun things for me is always to see the great commercial but the next day you can't remember what the company was, what the brand was. <laughs> um, so I guess that's where the connection has to be, where you want to be memorable, simple, shareable, but also it has to tie to the, to the brand as well. You can't say, yeah, rotisserie chicken. Awesome. Where was that from again? Or there's this one restaurant has these huge menus. I can't remember what it's called, but that doesn't really do you any good. Yeah. Just being different for different sake is probably not the best way to land on an idea that drives business you know ultimately what you are hoping is that some percentage of your customers will notice that and talk about it isn't it cool that company x does that i love that every time i talk to their customer service people they tell me a joke whatever Mm -hmm. it might be um Hmm. so yeah is one of the goals to, I mean, this would go to the kind of, this is going viral, pre-going viral, I guess, the word of mouth thing. It's, can you get yourself to spread going viral if you can get each person you infect with your message to infect uh, you know, one to two others, it will continue spreading. Um, so is the goal for it to kind of get out into the zeitgeist? What's the, what's the ultimate for word of mouth marketing? Is it a comedian makes a joke about it? Is it ends, ends up in a movie <laughs> as a meme? Um, What's the Ends up in a dictionary. Uh, that that wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would argue actually going viral isn't the objective. It's to to build a durable, a durable, memorable thing that people talk about for a an an extended period of time, a year or twenty years, whatever that might be. Um, and that isn't about being going viral. It's actually about doing something in a sustainable, repeatable way. Uh, that's something we saw that that distinction is very important because we often think of these like campaigns or stunts that we do to get people talking like Super Bowl ad or uh, whatever it might be. But that doesn't really sustain itself long term. People talk about it and then they don't right. they move on to talk about something else. So Doubletree could do a Super Bowl ad where they're handing out cookies, but that wouldn't do anything. It's got to be sustained in every location all the time. And that becomes part of what they're recognized as. It's exactly it. And it's important to remember like word of mouth doesn't replace other marketing. It's not like this is the only thing you'll ever do. Uh, You know, only a third of customers will talk about a thing at any given point in time based on our research. Um, So it's not about 
this being the only method, this is the only method by which you can really get your customers to talk about you. So if we want them sharing stories, the best case for them to do that is to give them a story to tell. Otherwise, you're counting on them to make something up. Like, well, their service right. is really good or the food was not terrible. <laughs> mm, right, right. So you're filling that in. What are they going to pass on about you? Exactly. Maybe room service was late, but they got a warm cookie when they first got there. So what are they going to tell their friend about their trip this weekend? You're hoping it's anything you missed on, but that won't be it. You're going to try to basically feed them a conversation topic. Exactly. And sometimes these things are really subtle if, uh, and they're not so overt. Uh, if you've ever eaten at Chick-fil-A, you might, you might recognize that uh, every interaction you have with an employee at Chick-fil-A ends with my pleasure. Hmm. They come around, do drink refills in the, in the restaurant, which it's already like unexpected in a fast food setting. That is bizarre. But yeah. They always end that that interaction with my pleasure, and it's, it's something every employee is trained to do. Oh, I almost seems I've it. never been there. It seems like it would be creepy to me. Somebody comes up in, in a fast food place, puts <laughs> some like my drink, says my pleasure. my pleasure. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> it is the out, first man. time you experience it. It's a little like, hmm, that's odd and a little bit. <laughs> cultish but then yeah. you kind of like that's actually kind of nice like you feel like you're in the movie get out or something something's yeah. about to go terribly wrong this is just a twilight zone episode now it's like uh, they went to the mr rogers school of hospitality which is be kind to everybody which is so unusual i think that's why we find it odd it's like gosh i'm not used to people being this kind in my daily life well, in that fashion, I mean, you run to Mr. Rogers at a bus stop, you're going to think he's a serial killer. He's just that strange, you know? <laughs> he might be the nicest guy in the world, but that's really off-putting. Yeah, I heard a couple <laughs> of comedians. That's not how are, people behave. Yeah, a couple of comedians have a talk show on Sirius. They were talking about that one of them had been to see Mr. Rogers, and he's like, you know, I found myself doing, uh, like, using some of his phrases with my daughter just just because I, I thought I everybody could be a little nicer. And, and she was like, Dad, you're creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not everybody can pull it off yeah <laughs> that's that's so it seems um sustainable is a key here yep repeatable uh, like yeah repeatable sustain it can't be a one-off thing it's not a short pr stunt if this is if you're going to call it a pr stunt it's like a pr stunt over time kind of um and that it may not be directly your product but um it's, you know, it's related somehow to the experience, to the brand, and then easily, I like the idea of seeding people's minds with it. Like, if you're going to talk about experiencing our brand, we want to control what you're going to talk about. It's really hard to just have the best product in any area or whatever it is. You can always say, we'll just be the best, number one, super great, like, eh, or you could give them a warm cookie. Um, <laughs> yeah, and sense, sometimes talk triggers can... can uh, help soften the necessity to be the best like and who really talks about stuff in that context like well uh why do you go there it's the best right why do you drive that type of car it's the best oh yeah so, i go to this hotel because it's the best how much better are you going to be than the others and yeah, how much do you have to be charge good. for that so i guess you're you're getting to compete in an area at a super low cost just by being clever mm -hmm. it makes me think even though all the examples we can think of are large companies this is really an area that small companies maybe have a big advantage in. 
for well, sure. Not a big advantage, but they're on a level playing field at least because it doesn't take a big spend. It's just a good idea, kind of. For sure. And I, I would argue that the smaller the company, the generally the better they are at doing this kind of stuff. You look at some really small local businesses, they're great at this. I mean, this is how they survive. Otherwise, it's like they can't compete on price forever. They can't compete on, you know, location count forever. Super Bowl commercial be, they do not have. <laughs> no, they have to find a, a different way. And, and that often is a talk trigger. And I, I, I love seeing when you see it in local places, it's like that f- feels the best because you know that's what's happening there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you go to small local and you're like, oh, it was so nice, this and that. The, the, the lady behind the counter acted like Mr. Rogers. It was mm-hmm. a little creepy, but super nice. Um, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get it. I think the listeners should be getting it. They're probably racking their brains on on what they can do. Don't do a got milk style thing and just start giving away cookies. Somebody else has already got that. Um, (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. After the break, I'd like to get into kind of some nuts and bolts of this. We've been wrapping our head around it a lot and kind of some, some how to's. I feel like a lot of it is just sitting around twiddling your thumbs and trying to come up with a concept maybe. But if there's anywhere people can start to, to come up with something they can do in this area to, uh, to increase their word of mouth marketing, Let's not jump into that now, but we'll go on a quick break and uh, right after the break, get back into the, again, the nuts and bolts of word of mouth marketing with uh, Daniel Lemon. Uh, he's the co-founder of EID. Hey there, Michael Gordon with Sandler Training. We're a sales training and coaching organization. We typically work with high growth businesses that are doing well, but there's still some frustration around a couple different areas. Sometimes that's prospecting. A business owner, CEO will tell me, Hey, we got a good team, but our folks are relying a lot on existing accounts. Uh, other times they tell us our people are prospecting a lot. They're very active and they were just giving demos to everyone, quoting and hoping and can't get decisions. And other times we find ourselves in an industry that tends to get commoditized a lot and we're having to discount to get deals done. And we just know we're better than that. So those are some of the folks that we help. If any of that's relevant to you, reach out. You can find me at gordon.sandler.com or you can call me direct at 310-433-3151. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. We are here with Daniel Lemon, the co-founder of Eat ID, talking about word of mouth marketing today, also known as find more customers for free, uh, before the break, we were talking about how small companies kind of have, this is an area that they can compete in just as well. And the for free part, you're seeding something in people's minds. It doesn't take a Super Bowl commercial to do that. You know, you don't have to be constantly, you don't have to have advertising dollars, that kind of stuff. That's all great. But big company, small company, regardless, how do people, somebody wants to do this. How do they come up with their own concept for it? Is there a starting spot? Absolutely. And this is where it became really interesting for us. We were working on this, on the book. We have all the case studies, but then we, we wanted to go back and like, how did you guys come up with this? Is, is it just a, a hope and a lark? I was scared, Daniel. I was really scared you were going to say no there, and I didn't have a follow-up question. <laughs> and you know what we learned is the, the things you should not do in, if you're trying to, to find this word-of-mouth strategy, the, the customer um, led conversation, the, the thing you should never do is hope and assume. Uh, you hope that you provide good enough service or price or whatever it is, and uh, by extension, assume that people will go talk about that uh, because they won't. They just won't. Um, you right. really have to give people kind of, which is the whole purpose of a 
talk trigger um, in the first place. So when we talk to companies about how they they went about doing this, it um, all went back to, for the most part, heavy customer uh, listening. They know mm -hmm. what kind of personalities their customers have, which gives them some insight into what ideas might work. Uh, and they spend a lot of time talking to their customers. And this, you know, as a B2B marketer myself is not something I'm always great at doing. It's actually kind of scary to talk to customers. Nobody does as much as they should, yeah. They shouldn't. So, you know, when we, when we, we actually put a framework in the book, uh, six-step system to creating uh, talk triggers, the first one and the most important one is customer interviews. Um, some companies do them. They do the sort of voice of customer work, but I would argue not very few companies do enough of it. Uh, so when we start that process, it's, it really begins with customer interviews because if you don't know where people are coming from, you're never going to create an idea that gets them talking about it. Now, let's say you're a small company. You don't necessarily have to have a big process built for customer interviews. I imagine you could just when you interact with customers, talk to them, ask a question or two. And over time, you, you're having, quote unquote, you know, an interview or not an interview. It's a conversation that includes you gathering some information. That's um, just it. And, you know, the, the one question that I, any one of us should ask an inbound prospect is, where did you hear about us? That's a big one, yeah. Yeah, and not <laughs> enough. I often forget to ask that question myself. I've, Me too. Uh, you know, a new uh, prospective customer will call it like, Oh, it's great. Well, let's talk about your problem. And, and I forget to ask, where did, where did you hear about us? It is a diversion from the conversation as it's already started kind of to say, Oh wait, stop everything. I know you have a question yeah. or you have a need or something like that, but I need to find out where you came from yeah. and collect some marketing info here. Yeah. So, I mean, that's always like, that's the one thing, one question we could all be asking better and no matter what business we're in is, is that one. But, you know, you can go deeper than that, too. You can begin to learn about what customers think of you, you know, what are their expectations of, of the interaction with the business. Uh, and that's where you, you kind of, we don't often ask enough of those kind of questions. What do you expect from a company like us? What do people expect from your company? Now, let's say you have a weakness in your company, an area that you're not doing so great at. Can you use something like this as a distraction almost? Like, don't look over there. Look over here is a cookie. Look, look, look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the operations person, part of my brain would say, fix those. But they're not always fixable. Like, there are certain things we can't, we can only go so far to address. Could be built into your business model or your product that there's an area that's, that's not as fun or glamorous or whatever it is that you like but yeah it could be shipping speed you know if you if you build servers there's a period of time required to create and build that server and maybe the customer at the other end is waiting with bated breath to get their hands on it uh, so you could fill that time with with some sort of content uh, or idea or or item an object that that keeps them engaged so yeah, you can use, you can find some of those gaps. That's where we actually t often talk about, you do those customer interviews, you start to see gaps. Like, right. well, we're not so great at that. So well, a business to business, using my own business, Mountaintop Data, we're a data company. We have an online search platform, Top Data Search. Here's a shameless plug for it. Go check it out, mountaintopdata.com, get a free account. But when you run a search, 
it'll take a minute sometimes to, you want to see all the marketing contacts in the U S okay. It's going to take a minute for that to process and search our database rather than just have the spinning circle up there. Maybe we should create a cartoon and put it up there during the spinning circle time to one, distract people from the fact that this is taking a while to process. If you're staring for 30 seconds at a spinning circle, it's a long time. But if you're reading a cartoon, that's not terrible. That could both be something that becomes word of mouth and it's almost forced viewing as well during that, that weakness of wait time. Yeah. I often, uh, we, I talk to software companies about this. They're like, well, we could never, we could never do this. We don't have any touch points with our customers. Like we barely even see them. Right? We don't have a relationship with them. Right. And, and I, they're in your platform all I say, day. Yeah. They, <laughs> how much time do people spend on your platform every day? Uh, it's like saying Google doesn't interact with their customers. Like people are Googling all day long. Are you kidding me? Like you have more, you have more inventory available to you than almost literally any company that person interacts with on a given day. Right. Um, I think I always feel like MailChimp has done a really good job with that. It's, it's marketing automation software. It's not exactly like exciting to use, but they use, uh, that Freddie uh, um, experience all through the products that he does high fives, the little animations. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. Okay. So, sorry, I was kind of distracting from with the distraction tactic there. Um, let's get back to the, the how to, how does somebody come up with this concept of, of what, what they're going to have be their word of mouth marketing hook kind of. Yeah, I think you gave a good segue there actually. So, I mean, the customer listening is, is the beginning of that process. Then, Mapping the customer journey is kind of the second part. What is what are what happens from the beginning of someone knowing about us through to hopefully them renewing their contract? What are all those those steps? Is there something we don't do terribly well, or is there one of them that's like, wow, we really knock that out of the park? That could actually be our talk trigger already. So, the the customer journey is the kind of second step and. What you're looking for are, and you were talking about those, those gaps or kind of the weaknesses, so to speak. Sometimes those are areas where you can deliver the most unexpected thing. Uh, and, you know, we can all make fun of our weaknesses. People don't necessarily, you don't have to solve them. You can right. use them as a... You have an opening there. I mean, for me, the, the search time is like, oh, wait, that's time where they're sitting there. Rather yeah. than having them just be bored and upset that it took 45 seconds for this search to run and only three seconds last time, feed them something. Give them exactly. something to enjoy during that time. I think so. So that, that's the second step in the process. And then it go, goes from there into kind of piloting, piloting ideas, getting you know, customer feedback on the idea and, that, and eventually figuring out in what way might you want to measure the success of this? What are the metrics that are important to you. Is it sales? Maybe that's a risky one for a uh, word of mouth, but mm -hmm. customer retention, employee retention. Or just when somebody says cheesecake factory, can you say what they're known for their menu? Okay. It was successful. Um, exactly. Yep. Yeah. If, if, if you go to a convention and people say, Oh, you're the people that, then mm -hmm. I would say you're successful. They know who you are versus not knowing who you are. And I'm sure when they say you're the people that, they know what your company does. They know your company name. And that's the goal, right? Yeah, there, there was a, um, <clears throat> a story someone told me that uh, I don't know the company 
I don't know the company she was talking about, but uh, when she called their customer service line, she's like, you know, it's your, I was, it's one of these, you're kind of on the phone with them for a while. <laughs> they have to look up your account and it takes a while. Uh, and all of the customer service people were trained and were given a stack of jokes to tell. <laughs> so they're it. like, hey, this is gonna, I'm gonna have to look up your account. It usually takes like 30 seconds or so. Can I tell you a joke? Right. Don't use the Laffy Taffy jokes for this, people. They're terrible. Oh, my exactly. God. I have a class action lawsuit against Laffy Taffy for the jokes. <laughs> so, I mean, that doesn't cost him anything. But she's like, I almost, I almost want to call just <laughs> to hear the jokes. It's, That's great. Yeah. And if, as a customer service person, you love it. It's like, because what otherwise happens on that that dead space, like do 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 do. Yeah, it's more difficult to. I mean, it's a. <laughs> I was talking about putting a cartoon up. We just make we we make our own cartoon anyway. We might as well put it up in that space to, while the search is running. Yep. A joke you can put. You have a software. You can put it. Fill it in anywhere where there's dead space. Customer service dead space. Fill in the joke. So I guess you can appropriate other people's word of mouth marketing tactics like that. So they use the joke. I could hear that and say, oh, we can fill that the customer service, we're not going to do that on our customer service line, but we can fill it into wherever we have the dead space also, which is while the search is running. So you can kind of take other people's ideas and turn them into your own some. And instead of a person telling a joke, we're going to have a cartoon pain, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, you don't have to necessarily just come up with your own from, from scratch kind of idea. Yep. Yep. So I, 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 uh, perhaps over summarized our six step process, but it, it, it comes down to talk to your customers, map the customer journey, uh, look for those gaps and try to find ideas that can fill them in a way that feels right for your company. And, you know, some companies are not funny. Some companies right. are hilarious. That that's fine. <laughs> if you're Boeing, maybe don't put the jokes in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now what about um, you come up with an idea, you try it, it doesn't work so well. It seems like these are typically very low cost things. There's tons of room for trial and error. That's just it. And sometimes what often happens is the idea wasn't, wasn't different enough. Hmm. Um, we're talking about the Magic Castle Hotel before the break. The popsicle is not really the talk trigger for the Magic Castle hotel it's the popsicle hotline the, so right. lots of hotels give out snacks but they found a different way to deliver that experience so uh, sometimes you have to take an idea and really stretch it to find the thing that people will talk about i mean i, th I think that's a really good example of of it actually is that like there's a bar in new york or there was i remember hearing about where you you're in another bar and you go into a phone booth and you open the door in the back of the phone booth and it goes into a private bar and that bar, it isn't like they serve great drinks or something like that. The whole thing is how you get into it is through this phone booth, hidden door kind of. Yep. A thing. I've been to one of those in Buenos Aires. It was pretty, pretty crazy. It sounds in Buenos Aires like that wouldn't be a gimmick. That's legit. <laughs> They're hiding something there. Yeah, it's yeah. a little scary. <laughs> you have to go into a flower store, open up the cooler door, and then you go downstairs. You, you climb in, and then Mr. Rogers is down there freaking you out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like in New York, I'd feel safe. But in a, in a third world country, going, uh, going into a hidden bar, I'd feel a little weird. <laughs> I might, you might not come out. <laughs> I've been there twice and made it out, but I... Yeah, I uh, <laughs> can see where you're coming from. 
Okay, so we got trial and error. We have, uh, you know, simple, shareable, memorable, sustainable. Um, any other kind of uh, things people need to take into account, think of when they're, when they're looking to garner word of mouth marketing? Yeah, the, the last piece of it is um, we don't always do this for the purpose of metrics, but it is helpful to think about how one might identify the impact of, of, of the idea, uh, in part because if you can't do that, then you will never know how, how effective it's been. So mm -hmm. it could be as simple as just asking, how did you hear about us at every uh, you know, point in a customer conversation? That could be one way you measure it. And you're, what you're hoping to hear is a third of people say, oh, I heard about your, your crazy jokes you tell when you, I'm on hold. Right. That's you, great. seems like you could almost do a, like a, an inkblot test too, where you're at a trade show and you just, you just ask people at the show since they're, you know, uh, should be in the kind of that space. Um, what do you know about this company? And if they say nothing, who's that company or something that's not what you're trying to get to be the word of mouth thing. You know, if they say, oh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the place that you can uh, call uh, from the pool and get a popsicle, right? Yeah. Okay, boom, it worked. Oh, they have yep. huge menus. Boom, it worked. If, if nobody knows after you've been doing it for a while, it really just hasn't stuck. Yeah, and it's certainly if you're a, a company of enough scale that you can look at big data like uh, social media listening or whatever, of course, that's an obvious place to look as well. But you know, remind ourselves, only half of word of mouth happens in those those venues. So, right. That's an easy place to go look though. See if whatever your trigger is, if people are mentioning that on social, if nobody's mentioning it, it's probably not, again, not sticking. Yep. That's it. And then uh, either tweak it or try something else. Yeah. That's it. It's low cost. So keep uh, stretching. Yeah. Keep yeah. stretching the idea that that's part of the magic of it. I guess the ROI you need to get from it isn't much when it doesn't really cost anything, if anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, okay. Is there anything, um, tech stack wise, there's so many MarTechs out there, word of mouth marketing. It seems kind of, like you said, caveman esque in its simplicity, effectiveness. Are there any technologies that, um, that help with this that people can use or, or is it really just pen and paper in your brain? Well, I do think I, I haven't seen any word of mouth marketing software tech stacks that, that I can really even name. It's certainly not a, a software category. I do think there, there are some adjacent ones that help. I mean, certainly if you have survey, uh, active survey efforts, whether it's on SurveyMonkey or some other uh, more advanced technique, that, that can be helpful uh, for looking at customer data, but also measuring it after the fact. Right. Um, as same with social media listening, we were just talking about. Um, so th those would be a couple of the tools I would look at. Um, and then the other, I, I think I would consider here too is, is uh, uh, some interaction with customer service. So often they have their own internal reporting that, that they, they use to look at call volume topics, that kind of stuff, topics that can be very, a very interesting uh, area to look at too. Okay. Um, two things before we finish up here, I'm going to want some don'ts, anything for people to stay away from. Um, so let's, uh, let's hit that first. Is there anything in particular people should be careful that they're not doing? 
Um, I, t- I think I touched on this one earlier, but don't hope and don't assume. Don't hope just because you have the best price and assume that people will talk about it. They, That'll be what they're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they may not notice it and they won't talk about it. It uh, seems so- like that shouldn't kind of your product features or your selling points should almost never be this. Even if you have the best price, your selling point really needs to be that you have a commercial where you're screaming about it and jumping up and down on mattresses or something. <laughs> yeah. Not not actually that you have the best price, but just yeah. that you're calling yourself insane and throwing TVs through the window. Yeah, and you know, the, like selling uh, selling a, a dollar for ninety nine cents isn't a way to get really ahead. And so, <laughs> yeah, eventually, Costco. a competitor is going to come and and undercut you and like, oh, oh no, we used to be, you know, we used to be the cheapest. We're not anymore. Yeah. That's our thing. We used to be the least expensive. They're going to make three minute abs. No, it's not three minute abs. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but I don't know. Maybe your thing could be that you are the second cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> not the most expensive. That's yeah. what it is. Oh, that's, that is a thing now. Yeah. Okay. So what about you? You've got trial and error. One last thing to hit on here. Can you have multiple word of mouth, effective word of mouth? Um, what would you even call this things going on? Something you're known for, or do you need to look for one and nail that one down? Um, I look, I think a lot of organizations have multiples of these cheesecake factory, I would argue does. Um, I think we, if you're not doing it at at any level today, start with one and, and grow it from there, but you can always layer new things onto it, uh, or empower your sales team to develop their own, whatever that might be. Don't aim for five right off the bat, aim for one. Once you get one really nailed down, maybe you go for a second. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I think the a couple of years ago the Super Bowl had a had a mistake with that one of the companies. They were like, "What do we want to be known for? Puppies, monkeys, or babies? I can't decide." And they went for all three. Yeah, we got puppy, monkey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fantastic, uh, Daniel. Thanks for joining us today. Any any last thing you want to add on here, or have we put a bow on this? I think we put a bow on it. Uh, I'm also really hungry. We've talked a lot about food, so I never get that far away from food in my conversations. I mean, that is the name of your company, uh, Eat ID. And can can you uh, throw out there one more time? We'll have it in the show notes. We'll have um, uh, you know your book in there. You also work for a company that does many podcasts. But can you throw out what Eat ID does for for companies one last time, so people can uh, can know you not just for word of mouth marketing, but um, you know, let, let's, let's see what, what do you guys do there? Yeah, you bet. So EDID is a, again, a, a smart food and health personalization platform. We help companies build uh, digital food experiences that connect people with foods that they should be eating based on their health or diets. Or okay. Other now suddenly I'm, I'm uh, realizing I made a comment the other day at our company. I looked in the cupboard and I said, I don't think there's anything in the cupboard here. We like to stock food in the office, but the big but is I looked at all the food we have in the freezer, in the fridge, in the cupboards. Oh, wow. We got a bunch of food in here. It's been freshly stocked. I don't think there was a single thing in there that would fit as a yes for any known diet. It was all the <laughs> like worst. The best thing is, okay, there's a can or like really salty soup. Um, but other than that, it was just all like snack stuff that you're never supposed to eat. Frozen burritos, for you know, hot pockets are not part of the any that known diet demand. Um, so, 
if, if people are in a company, I need to come hang out your company more. Is what I, what yeah, I'm you hearing. do. Um, and bring, bring some of your stuff with you. Um, if you're at a company that has that kind of cupboard like ours, I guess, maybe check out, uh, check out eat ID. Um, it seems like you guys help companies like ours, not only have hot pockets in the, uh, in the uh, cupboards. Yep. Fantastic. All right. Again, we'll have all this on the, on the, on the show notes for anybody who wants to um, check out uh, Daniel's book, uh, his company, all that kind of good stuff. Find Daniel on LinkedIn. Um, so uh, thank you for listening to the, if you market podcast, please, what are we going to ask you to do this week? Please uh, say something nice about us on LinkedIn. I assume you're already subscribed since you're listening. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Daniel Lemon of Eat ID. Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with word of mouth marketing, they will come. Is your data company ignoring and gouging you or gouging and ignoring you? Those are the main reasons our customers move from the previous list provider, Mountaintop Data's top data search platform. What's Top Data Search? Well, with Top Data Search, you can search our database of 20 million plus business contacts and download lists with complete contact information. It's a convenient tool for both sales and marketing departments to get accurate lists. It's free to have an account. There's no annual contracts, no seat fees. Top Data Search is just easy access to accurate data. And when you reach out to us with questions, we actually give you answers. Visit topdatasearch.com and sign up for a free account with the coupon code IYM300 and get 300 free credits. Or if you're just curious, go to topdatasearch.com and run some searches on our open search tool, no account needed, by clicking the search now button. That's at topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.